I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back. Atlanta Sports Guys on a Friday afternoon. R.I.P. to Max Markovich up there in D.C. Always miss you each and every week, Max Markovich. Pour one out. That's what we need to do. We need to do a bit where you just pour one out for Max Markovich. <laughs> um, but here, as he is at this time every single week, Garrett Chapman, 99 The Game, 247 Sports, all over the place. The man's trying to, he's following in my footsteps where he just wants to be committed to grinding and working on sports all day long, each and every day. So, Garrett. That's the dream, right? That is the dream. That is the dream. <laughs> how are you? Good, man. Good. It's a beautiful day, finally. Uh, I don't know how it is up in Knoxville, but it was it, uh, terrible. Really like, I just took the dog on a big walk. No, I just took the dog on a big walk at the park. It's like it went from 60 to like 35 right now. Oh, yeah. And it's blistering it's and weird. darn terrible. Yeah, it was weird. Awful. No, but life's good, man. I mean, yeah. Hawks are on break, so we don't have to think about them for <laughs> at least a little bit. Well, we were talking about him on the pod today, so <laughs> no, we, we are going to have to think about him for a little bit, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll be talking about him all weekend, too. I had like a, I don't know, a two-day hiatus since mm-hmm. the, since that debacle against the Knicks. But look, I, it, things are good. Life's good down here. Good. Also here, first-timer, Fox 5. You see him on TV all the time over there. How often are you on TV? Are you on TV every day, Miles Garrett? Uh, no, not every day. Um, okay. Kind of actually a little bit more, though, now um, mm. because uh, one of our uh, our sports reporters on paternity leave, so I'm kind of filling mm. in for him. Um, I'm actually anchoring tonight. Um, I'll be leaving cool. here probably right after this podcast. Um, but, nice. uh, yeah, I'm doing a lot of anchoring on weekends now. Is that – like, what's the hardest thing about doing TV? Because I've I, – I don't know if you'll ever be able to get me to do – like, it took me – it took a lot of pulling behind the scenes to get me to do video mm. where I was like, nope calling is the way to go no video phone calls i don't need to do any of that i'm not a camera guy like the reason i did podcasts to begin with was to avoid video like i write i do this like I, i'm not a video guy and like just the con i think tv especially is more complicated to me and i like i get I, I, the knots in my shoulders just thinking about having to get all of my thoughts out in like a minute and a half and like you don't have a choice to be able to oh, yeah. have to be succinct at all times is that is that the hardest part or is it natural for you to be to be able I'm, to do that i mean at this point it becomes a little bit more natural i mean that that's mm. why you got to sort of work your way up in like these tiny you know not as fun markets to to you know where not as many people are watching you so if you do mess up it's okay uh yeah. so when you get to a place like atlanta then you don't mess up um but uh yeah like i did my time in macon for a couple years then was up in south Bend, indiana for a couple years up there kind of getting my feet wet with it and then i got hired here and like you said at this point it, it sort of just comes you know after doing it so many times all right do a 20 second lead into the podcast class. <laughs> oh my goodness spot, put me man. on the spot right now jeez <laughs> i mean i can try here we go let's see to. this oh, is a good geez. clip i can clip seconds. this this is gonna be fun 
<laughs> oh man! All right, twenty seconds. All right, you twenty seconds. Is this hazing? Does this count as hazing? Uh, this, is, this is. I guess this is hazing. No, it's just. <laughs> no, this is putting them in the fire. Right, gotta, I, I will never. Gotta, we don't get video. We don't get anchors. Like I, right. I want to see this. If you want to feel like I'm on TV it's with all them. radio guy. All he gets is radio guys and writers, man. Yeah, and coaches. Right, and all okay. That, yeah. All right, you got to give me a countdown then. At all least right. five. Oh, four. Oh, five. Three. Count. I went five. That was slow. <laughs> Two. One. Today at 3 o'clock, the Chase Thomas Podcast is bringing on renowned producer Garrett Chapman and anchor Miles Garrett for some talk on the Atlanta Falcons in addition to the Atlanta Hawks for some all-star break talk in addition to maybe some free agency chatter on what the Falcons might do this offseason. Make sure to tune in on his YouTube channel. He's got a killer Atlanta Falcons hat with the best throwback <laughs> logo in sports. Back to you guys. Oh my God! Sensational. I think that was twenty. I think that was. That was was right at twenty. I think you hit the post too. Yeah, yeah. That's perfect. Tried to use my little news voice there. You got (laughs) it. That's just a skill, man. That's a skill. I'm envious. Like that's a years of practice, man. Years of practice. I like it. I like it. Um, and yes, this is the the goat. This is the goat logo. It's a very oh, free flowing conversa- conversation, Miles. Like <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah. this is, and we got to laugh a little bit because um, the Atlanta Hawks uh, make me sad. You have to uh, laugh. You have, you to, have laugh. to laugh because yeah. the Hawks are just, they're bad. And Garrett's been an optimistic guy, and I've been pretty pessimistic, pretty cynical on this team for <laughs> for a while now. And I want to get your read on it first. The state of the Hawks. We're at the All Star break. The last thing we saw was um, them giving up um, against the Charlotte Hornets uh, this week, and. It was um, it was frustrating for a multitude of reasons, but at the break, what were you at with the Hawks? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's it's hard to sort of say anything positive about you know what this team is right now because when a team shows you who they are for such a long time, it is who they are. You know, I know there's so many times where people want to see like oh they're going to change or you know they they beat a good opponent and they have a good win here and you're like oh man like they finally figured it out they're going to turn a corner here and then they come back and lose the next game to a team they absolutely should not lose to i.e the charlotte hornets like they do and it's mm. been happening all season long and it's something that sort of bled over from last year we thought this is going to end when you know the trade happened with murray but it hasn't this is still the same team and i don't like all the blame going toward nate mcmillan i think he's in part to blame but I think that this is a very poorly put together roster, to be honest with you, at this point, um, just because of the way the team is currently constructed. And honestly, we're just the way the front office is right now. I mean, the front office stuff has got to be bleeding onto the court. When you have unstable front offices, you you see the result that happens. But in regards to the Hawks overall, I mean, that's really all I have to say. They may be good enough to to make the playoffs, but that's been the story of this team, you know, the last two seasons, like, yeah, good enough to maybe make the playoffs, maybe do something, but they're not going to get past the first round if they even get in. It's just who they are at this point. And the front office stuff is a huge problem. I don't know what they're going to do to solve it. um, Because I think the whole Travis Schlink debacle has caused a lot of issues. And I, myself, am a huge Travis Schlink fan. So Mm -hmm. I was a little discouraged to see what happened there because I loved what he was doing with the original rebuild of putting this team together. And I think it's a shame that it's kind of gotten to this point because I think there was a lot of promise there. Yeah, it's weird too because I think he's still listed as a senior advisor. I checked the Hawks.com today. I was like... What what is the current so whatever reason he's still listed in that uh, in that role so I don't like you said the quote unquote like whatever that means like uh, just it's uh it's been a lot and it started with the Kevin Herter trade and that one's when I just haven't gotten ever and I talked to James Hanna, the Kings beat he's been not uh, just one of the best Kings writers for 
well over a decade now and it's just all glowing and there are three seed and kevin Hurd starting and thriving um Thread and justin holiday's unplayable and gone and uh mo harkless obviously get nothing there so that's just a loss and that's been very annoying and john collins still shooting 20 ish percent from three and that's probably not coming back this year because the finger stuff is still a problem and if that's going to be a problem the whole year then it's like well you have two non-shooters on the floor at all times starting out when he's healthy because you have him and capella and that just makes things tight and that's why their offense is in the 20s and rating and i like you said it doesn't all fall on nate mcmillan but the nights where it does fall on nate mcmillan garrett is charlotte we're like, that is the main thing of just, that is an indictment on the coaching staff where you give up that kind of <laughs> defensive performance to a team that's one of the worst offenses in basketball and uh, the Charlotte Hornets and Lonzo Ball just did whatever he wanted. Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward was just mm-hmm. obliterating uh, guys in the block, whether it was DeAndre Hunter, Sadiq Bay, didn't matter. Like he had like what, 15 or so in the first quarter alone. Like he was just... It, it was just all so easy. And the one thing that you can always turn to at coaching is just like, hey, are these guys giving effort for, are they fighting for their coach? Are they fighting to keep this season alive? And that was the worst possible going into the break, I think, for this team. Yeah. And, and one quick thing before I get onto that, uh, Miles, yeah, like the Travis Schlink, this is a pro Travis Schlink podcast. It has mm-hmm. been, had been for a long time. And whether, whether or not we agree with the direction or the plan that he had for this roster, at least there was a plan. Exactly. There is no semblance yeah. of a plan right now for the Atlanta Hawks. It just feels like a, a, a mismatch of pieces at this point. And I don't know how anybody can look at this team and not be frustrated. Somebody who's followed this team for any semblance of time of any like, of that Travis Link era, yeah. it's a very frustrating thing and development to, to follow. It just because he was such a beloved person in the city and this in that organization seemingly for a long time, mm-hmm. and the pieces seem to be coming together with Travis Link, and then all of a sudden you pull the plug inexplicably because of I, I i assume hubris and and that just sort of is yeah. irritating to me uh but you know talking about the charlotte hornets that's got to be the worst loss of the season uh, just losing to those charlotte hornets they granted they've done it three times now they're owing <laughs> three against the charlotte hornets what is it it's like represents just a hair under 20 percent of their wins on the season just comes against the atlanta hawks and i, I just don't see how <laughs> I don't see how it happens. It's just at some level, perimeter defense is just effort. And like you said, Chase, I mean, it's just the effort hasn't been there on the perimeter specifically. And and, and when you pair in injuries to this roster, they haven't been playing for the most part together. Um, I mean, go back, I guess, the last two months, they've been a little bit more healthy, but that first half of the season, really they weren't. Uh, but now that they're healthy, there's no excuse. And I just there's nothing good to take from those two games. Uh, that that being the other one being the Knicks. That Knicks game they were just blown out, and it was the exact same issue. They couldn't get them off the three point line. They hit ten three pointers in the first half uh, before the Hawks even hit one. Mm. I mean, you're, that's it's ridiculous. Uh, they, they they were just getting run off of the court in your final game before you go into the All Star break, and you have a chance to go a game over five hundred and potentially flip the script on the season. And they're just every opportunity that they've had to do that, they win five games in a row and then they lose two out of their next three. And then they go on a three game losing streak after it's, it's just, they've just time and time again, they have not been able to put the pieces together and whether or not it's Nate McMillan's fault doesn't matter at this point anymore. The proof is in the pudding and he's going to have, he's going to get the ax eventually. If, if they continue to play at this level, there's just no way that I, I see a way forward with Nate McMillan as the head coach. I like Nate McMillan. 
I want him to be the head coach. I think he can be a strong head coach. But if the results don't show up on the court, there's just no way no way that I see him remaining in the head coaching spot. What do you think, Miles? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything else to add. I think Garrett hit it right on the head. I mean, I, I think Nate McMillan's a really good guy. I think there's... I think there's there is a thing with Nate McMillan that you touched on a little bit in that when the players kind of quit on a coach, I think that that's been sort of evident to me at least from my mm-hmm. vantage point. I, I think you've, you've you've sort of lost the buy-in. I think like I, mm-hmm. I don't really see these these guys sort of fighting for their coach like you touched on, and I think that's a really important thing as far as you know outlook of the season because when that happens, you know they're not going to go to the finals, but mm-hmm. like maybe they'll sneak into the playoffs, you know, just for pride. But, I mean, that always is a biggest indicator to me of, you know, if a team quits on your coach, then you have no direction. And take out everything that's going on in the front office. If you're just not responding to your coach, then, you know, you're not going to go far. And regardless of what McMillan's preaching, and I know a lot of experts have said about McMillan's, you know, coaching that maybe it is slightly old school and it is a little, you know, maybe not on par to what today's game is and maybe not to the standard of what the players that he has, uh, you know, are optimally playing with then you know that's a whole different conversation but I, I do think that there's you know a conversation to be had when it comes to the coach play aj griffin what are we doing like aj griffin <laughs> i've said like he has been the second best hawks player for months like he's just he's so fluid he's gonna be a great player he's shooting really well he's one of the few guys who can actually create like you have jalen johnson who is just going to be a deer in headlights for forever it seems like like the only way he's got, like he hit that one corner three uh, or the, I think it was top of the key he hit uh, in the Hornets game. It was wide open. They didn't pull. They didn't close out on him at all. They were just like shoot it, and he hit it. And he like you could tell like it was like a weight off his shoulders. Where he's like, all right, I hit it. And then he just completely fell off the. Like he missed another one in the corner. It looked bad, and it was just like, oh, back to. He just it's not consistent. It's not the confidence is not there with him, and he's just borderline unplayable. And I, we talk about the half court defense, but um, Garrett, would you do Trey in a first for Lamella? <laughs> no, no, no. You wouldn't stop. do that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Do I would do that, that immediately. No, I would do absolutely not. No, Trey Young. Trey Young for all Lamella's of his deficiencies. Good, he's fine. What, is, what does Lamella give you that Trey Young doesn't? Shooting, like this, um, passing, oh, uh, pass oh, first guy. Uh, he's on. six seven. Come on, come on. Better defender. Better team player. There's we nothing ask, that uh, who's the yeah, best. He's what also, he's also the, the number one player on, on debatably one of the worst teams in basketball right now. Mm-hmm. For all of the holes that the Hawks have, Lamelo Ball is not going to come in here and fix anything, and he's not. He sure as hell not going to be an upgrade over Trey Young. No, I'm not going to give you that. He's no. He's also been injury prone. He, he hasn't mm-hmm. been able to stay on the court. He, That's he a big thing. That is a true well. thing. Yeah, and he hasn't played well within within the system that he that he's in. He hasn't won at any consistent level. I have no reason to believe that he would be any improvement over Trey Young. Um, no, sorry. I'm he's not doing to, He's nearing 23, 10, and 10. Like, that, he's flirting with that. LaMelo Ball is a better basketball player in 2023 than Trey Young. Like, he I just don't need is. my point guard to rebound, dude. I don't, I don't need that. Doesn't, that, doesn't, I don't, that doesn't move the needle. Trey Young's flirting with what? 11, 12 assists a game per, per game now? Hold on. He's hold also on. 27 points per game? We like, can't do on, this. I, you know what the Trey Young thing is? When people so do in this. Last, because... In the last two months, he's been averaging 15 assists per game, damn near. I'm so not, eight of those are to Capella on pick and rolls. That's like right. the only Capella scores. He just hits in the pick, like pick and roll. And he has points, like an man. agreement with Clint Capella where he's like, I'm going to get you like four lobs and those are four <laughs> assists for the night. And like, it, points are points, man. Doesn't matter how they come. Points are hey, points. 
who is he setting up? Him and DeJounte, I like, I'm just ready. Like all my notes, I like wait for a DeJounte Trey pick and roll or a tra- like any any semblance of them helping one another. Well, that, that, they I, don't I do anything. I, I they stand the, away from each other. They do not creativity. help each other whatsoever. There's no there's no chemistry on court with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. No. 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 It doesn't make any sense. The, the, the way that this roster is together. Get so mad at me for pushing the Lamellos better than Trey, but I, I don't care. <laughs> Lamellos, there. It's, but it's, watch Lamelo this year. When he's healthy, the one big thing is the health. When, stuff. When, how many games has he played? He plays for the Hornets. What, like this is a terrible situation. You look at what like yeah, Bryce McGowan. They're making up players in in Charlotte right now. They are making up dudes, and it just doesn't matter. Jeez, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm, I'm not on board. <laughs> You're not gonna get me on board with this. It's Trey. It'll take a miracle. Like, Here's the thing, Lamelo. When he brings the ball up, Lamelo's always looking to pass. Like <clears> Lamelo <throat> is someone who's looking, unless he's gonna pull up from like 30 feet. Like he's gonna do a push at three every now and then. But like outside of that, he's looking to pass. Trey Young looks to pass when there's nothing there to shoot. Like, it's a different kind of mindset. Trey is still a score first guy and still looking sure. to score first. So, the assists come. He's a good passer when he wants to be, but that's not how he's wired. Like, LaMelo is still wired to help other people first, like the, on the court. Like, he is still wired to get assists and to look for an open guy. So, you're Tyrese just Halliburton point, is wired like you're that. You're not even making, I don't think you're making the argument as much for LaMelo, LaMelo ball as you are just against Trey Young at this point. Yeah. I'm tired. I need. Try, I need. I'm tired. <laughs> there you I need go. The season to end. I found that uh, I'm, I'm also a producer. I'm an on-air host. Now I'm a therapist. <laughs> We're gonna check all the boxes today. <laughs> I like Sadiq Bay though. Sadiq Bay in the corner, like he's gonna shoot 40, 50 percent from the corner. I think down the stretch here, like he's an, a welcome addition. My thing though, too, and I don't know, Garrett. Like, if you're looking at buyers and sellers, and this is something that I've always looked at in any sport. I don't believe that you should do nothing at the deadline. You either are in and you're really trying to make this thing work or you dive all the way out and you're like, hey, we need to sell whatever we can, sell high on these guys and really do what we can. Staying standing pat at the deadline has never really made much sense to me. And the Hawks didn't really move. So it's like you're right there at the middle. You're like you're a playing team. Like you're getting crunched by the Bucks or the Celtics in a first round series. You just did this last year with the Heat. You know Trey wants to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. He's already been there. You already went all in by trading for DeJounte Murray. Why would you not do more? Why is John Collins on the team, who I love? John Collins is like my dude. He is the um, the guy, the glue guy in so many ways where he's having fun. He's still someone who finds joy each and every night when he plays basketball with this team and keeps everybody up. But like, man, I just, how is that all you do? Like, I don't understand why they just, it was Sadiq Bay and that was it. Like, how do you not do something else? And I understand you're kind of constricted because you made the DeJounte trade this summer. But like, how do you not address that? Like, oh, we, we need more help in the wing. We need more shooting. We need more of this. Like, if we're going to trade for DeJounte and really build around this super backcourt, we have to do something else. But instead, they just, they didn't really do much. Oh, that was to you, Garrett. Oh, those two. No, sorry. sorry. Yeah, sorry, Garrett. I, was <laughs> I, was like, I, was, I didn't hear that part. <laughs> Unless you said Miles. <laughs> My last name is Garrett, so. That's oh, true. I guess that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, it, it was something. I'm fine with Sadiq Bay. They just they also don't, don't have assets. They don't have assets to go make moves. And at the end of the day, it's like we're in a spot where it's, I, I was more worried that they were going to trade John Collins than I was that they were going to go hmm. make some big splash move and bring somebody in. Um, would I have liked to see them do that? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I don't think the big move is coming until the summer anyway. So I think that they're going <laughs> to, we've been saying it for three years now, but the thought is definitely that John Collins is, is the first man on the list just because of the, the money that he's making. Uh, I just don't know how you're going to bring in, I don't know how you trade John Collins to get better because I love John Collins, but I don't know if he's lived up to that contract, whether it's his fault or not, his, his usage rate is so low. It's hard for him to really make an impact in games. And I think he'd be a lot better on a different basketball team, but the Hawks aren't going to be able to trade him and get the value that they want out of him. And it's just that sort of rock and a hard plays that they're in right now, because the only way that you're actually going to get the value is by playing him and giving him the basketball, but he's not getting the basketball as the fourth option on the Hawks. And like, look, his shooting hasn't been where it needs to be. It's been better as of late. And, and you look at the games where the Hawks play well, it's because John Collins also played well in limited in the limited time that he actually has the basketball in his hands. And I think the Hawks are a better team with him. But that big move, Sadiq Bey, has been solid. Like, I, I think he's been okay. He hasn't really been in his specific role. He's had one, he's had what, two games to play. One game he started because John Collins couldn't play which he's not going to be a starter. And then the second game, John Collins got hurt. And he ended up playing heavy minutes in the second half up until garbage time when the game just got out of hand. And I think to this point, Sadiq Bey has been solid. I think Sadiq Bey will be good on this team. We also don't know much about Sadiq Bey because, like we talked about LaMelo Ball, he came from a very bad basketball team uh, in Detroit. So I think he'll be good off of the bench. I think it's fine. You can dealing out five second rounders. The, the Hawks don't really get much out of their second-round picks anyway, so it's fine for me. I mean, Sneak Bay is not super sexy when it comes to uh, who they could have gone and got, but at this point, it's like, who could you have afforded, you know? Uh, and then now that you're, you're pushing right up on the salary, of the luxury tax, I should say. So it's, it's going to be a difficult situation for the Hawks. I mean, the man- mismanagement is just so obvious. It just feels like we're, we're in a, a spot where, they were trying to go this way, and then they just reversed course at the last possible second, and now we're just sort of in limbo, um, which we know about anything about the NBA, that only ends poorly. Yeah, and I just I don't think it's going to be a healthy offseason because I just we saw how it annoyed this group was when they got the way they lost to the Heat, where they just got trounced and the Heat just locked them down defensively. Um, and it was uncomfortable. Like, it just didn't work. And if you – like, there's – there's no path to like really get up past like six. And that's if everything just they go on a crazy heater. You're staring at Bucks or Celtics in round one. If you survive the play in and make it in, it's just then you're right back where you started a year ago. And I just I think that makes for a very interesting and uncomfortable offseason. But my gut is still Kyle Korver is coaching this team next year. I think Kyle Korver finds his way. That's the natural elevation to this group is uh, my guess. 2023. Game one head coach is uh, Kyle Korver is my guess. Um, and then the dark horse is Ime Udoka. I think it's one of those two, but I'm going to say it's... Uh, Miles, are you pro Ime Udoka? Do you think he's coming down here? I'm more pro Kyle Korver than I am. Pro. Really? I mean, like I I take that back. I, I think I'm... As Ime as a coach, I'm more pro him. Okay. I just, yeah, just, we're I, talking strictly coach. Oh, coach, yeah, yeah Ime. Yeah, yeah, I just think like if, if we're talking about what I think will happen, then I'd say Kyle... Um, mm-hmm. But in an ideal situation, probably you may, yeah. Yeah. Um, switching gears a little bit, Miles. Your bread and butter, the Atlanta Falcons. I got the Falcons hat. He's they got write the my Falcons. checks. 
Yeah, there you, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, Carl Lawson was cut by the Jets, who I like a lot. Justin Houston has just always been out there, and that dude's just going to be a guy my, who – My former high school teammate. Which one? Carl Lawson. Was he really? Yeah, really? He, tack- he tackled me at her. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you have a natural – like this would be a, a, an amazing situation and if they brought in Carl Lawson. We can get a Fox 5 podcast with just you and Carl, <laughs> me and Carl throughout yeah. the season reconnect yeah. talk ball that'd be good um does he make sense for atlanta for you is there an edge outside of carl lawson that you would target outside of the draft yeah no i mean i think that i mean there's just there's so many options that this team has right now for free agency and the amount of money that they're able to spend right now uh, i mean i think an obvious option you know just because of hiring ryan nielsen is mark Stavenport from new orleans i think that's been a name that's been thrown around a lot Hmm. Um, but I mean, Carl Lawson makes, does make a lot of sense. I, I think he was moved back to where he's more familiar, that defensive end position this past year for, uh, New York. He was kind of like moved that hybrid linebacker role for a while there. Um, and I think that's where he got more production, sort of that defensive edge rusher type role. Um, uh, I always thought he was a very underrated prospect coming out of college too. Um, but, uh, regardless, I do think he does make a lot of sense, um, I'd love to see the Falcons beef up that interior defensive line. I mean, the trenches. That I, I, That's where I want them to go, period. Just offensive and defensive is just beef up the trenches. I think we saw that in Philadelphia and Kansas City. All the good teams, they're good in the trenches. And I think that that's especially what this team needs given what they have currently. Um, you know, you got a team like Atlanta that's relying heavily on the rushing attack and did very well at it given how the offensive line is currently constructed. You have two relatively sure things in Jake Matthews and definitely Chris Lindstrom. Um, and you got your best year out of Caleb McGarry. You don't know if you're going to re-sign him. Um, but then outside of that, it's sort of unknown on that offensive line. You want to maybe add somebody there. I'm hoping they do that in free agency because I think that's where it should be addressed. Uh, cause I think this, this, um, you the Falcons period, you know, I don't think there's anything, there's nothing to this at all, but, I think they've just been bad at doing it the last two decades of drafting the drafting the trenches or edge rushers, whatever that might be. Um, you know, never say never. You know, maybe they they find that prospect in this draft. I'm certainly hoping they do. Miles Murphy or Tyree uh, Wilson may fall to them there at eight, um, or you know, maybe later round. Who knows? But um, as far as free agency is concerned, that's where I'd like them to go. Uh, Mike McGlinchey maybe on the offensive line uh, from San Francisco, someone like that. Um, or maybe you throw a home run, give Quentin Nelson whatever he wants. So something like that. Um, but yeah, I'm a big trenches guy. Jesse Bates too. I'd love him at, and uh, maybe in the secondary. Hmm. I wonder who would that leave? I guess Jalen Hawkins would be the odd man out there. Cause I think Richie Grant flashed enough. Richie year. Grant, Richie Grant locked it down for me for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think Richie made a huge second year jump and I think they like what they've seen a lot from Richie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like Jalen too. I don't think Jalen had a bad year by any means. I just think they, if you can get better, you got to get better. Um, and Jesse Bates is clearly superior right now to to Jalen Hawkins. Um, and again, I know we're not quite sure what I mean. Us as media, you know, have to, we've covered him, aren't quite sure what we're going to get from Ryan Nielsen. Um, we're not quite sure if he was actually. He gave a funny quote about uh, whether he's going to run a four three or a three four. He's like, doesn't really matter as long as we stop them. So we don't really <laughs> know the type of defensive scheme that he's going to run. It may be sort of. Uh, adaptable per se mm. to whoever the opponent is that week. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, another cornerback would be great too. I know Casey Hayward had that season ending injury and he's getting on the older side. So I'd like to get someone there to pair with AJ. Yeah. What do you think, Garrett? Was there another name uh, outside of there? What, what stood out to you uh, that miles just pointed out? 
What about a Yannick Ngakwe? Hmm. See, that was one. He's a he's an unrestricted free agent. I think he's coming out of Indianapolis. The he's like what twenty turning twenty eight by the time the, the season starts. I mean, he's talented young player, still on the younger side, I should say. And I mean, like you said, Miles. I mean, Falcons need depth on the defensive line and the offensive line. It, it's just been so readily apparent. Everyone, everyone except for Thomas Dimitrov saw it. And I mean. <laughs> I guess it's, it's he knows um, how to draft skill players though. I'll give he's him that. very good, very <laughs> adept at drafting skill players. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I will give him full credit for that. But also, we're not doing slander. We're not doing Dimitrov slander on this podcast. He put together <laughs> the best. Slander. roster. I'm not saying anything. The whole roster. Truth is in the pudding, ESPN's man. ESPN's best roster in the NFL preseason, like 2018, 2018 or 2017. Yeah, no, we he put together a decent yeah. roster. I'm not. I'm not slandering. Leave my silver fox alone, Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> the cyclist king, man. Yeah. No. He, I'm, I'm not slandering Thomas Dimitrov by saying it is. I'm just saying it's he whiffed a lot. I mean, Peter Kahn's in the second round. Come on, man. Hold on. I mean, Let's it's it been. Give it a year. Peter Kahn, just give it another year. Bring it back. Let's see. Tack McKinley. <laughs> Tack McKinley. Oh, man. Oh, God. Big Beasley. Start on Tack McKinley. Hey, yeah, he, he was an all pro. Vic had the one season. He was an all pro. He and led the, led the NFL XFL in the legend. Exactly. It's true. Who hey, drafted the craziest the, thing uh, about that yeah. season, though, is that he had 15 and a half sacks in like 17 quarterback hits. Mm. It's the most ridiculous. It was, the, it was so. I remember seen. watching him that season. It was the most. He he would have the most luckiest sacks. I would like. They would run into him. Exactly. It, it would be ridiculous. the most lucky sacks I've ever seen in my life. He would go like five games without a sack, and then he'd have three sacks against mm. like the L.A. Rams or something. Their yep. first year yep. over there. Mm. It was ridiculous. No, the whole thing was ridiculous. I mean, all respect <laughs> to Thomas Dimitrov, but. No, uh, trenches is where the Falcons need to go. And mm. that, and we kind of alluded to a hint that right at the end, but the defensive back, like we, we need more depth back there. Mm. It, it once Hayward went down, it, killed it was just such yeah. a vacuum. Armstrong was just like, they were circling the vultures. That were Cincinnati circling. game was the, the oh, big one for that. That yeah. was just I felt um, so bad for Cornell. Cause I'm like, you're guarding yeah. Jamar chase. Come on. There's yeah. nothing like, you could do. There's nothing you could do. <laughs> no. Yeah. We, I, I had, I had to do flyover after all these games, like Falcons flyovers <laughs> on, on 92, nine, the game. And like, if any of the listeners are, are like unfamiliar, it's just where they call in and just vent their frustrations. <laughs> we recap the game. <laughs> after that, uh, after that Cincinnati game, especially people were just broken, man. Like they, they just <laughs> nobody went into that that game with any expectations. AJ Terrell wasn't playing, and Casey Hayward wasn't playing, and I'm like, guys, sorry, we'll just we'll, we'll transfer over some wide receivers. Maybe they can slow him down. <laughs> I mean, at that point, but look, we need we need depth in the secondary. Let's see what we can do there. But the thing is, this team has so much money. Let's just fill it out. I'd be more willing to go out, go after a bunch of quality veterans and not really change the philosophy of what Terry Fontenot has been doing the past couple of years. Don't go after a Robert Quinn or like one of these other guys, J.D. being clowny. Might be a bigger, more recognizable name for fans. Let's not sell jerseys. Let's put together a winning product and keep doing what we're doing and spending responsibly. Don't don't go for these big like Ray Edwards. Don't go after that. Not to slander Thomas Dimitrov Whoa, again. Forgot about that one. <laughs> Look, Did Dimitrov draft uh, Anderson, Jamal, uh, the other Jamal Anderson. No, that's the no. year before he got. That was year before. It was okay. 2007. His first draft was his first draft pick was Matt Ryan. Hmm. So that's wild. And his second pick was Sam Baker. So I also might have picks. a take on this. I think here's here's what I think. 
there's some franchises that are just cursed, right? Like the Chargers, it just doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter who's running this franchise. It doesn't matter how talented your quarterback is. There's just something where it's like, oh, you're down, you're up four scores at the half against Trevor Lawrence on the road. Like you should be able to against the Jags and you should be able to close that one out. And obviously, because you're the Chargers, you weren't going to close that out and you were going <laughs> to blow it. And that was like, you're the Falcons of the AFC. For me, I look at defensive end where like, part of me my soul is so dead when it comes to drafting edge guys <laughs> in atlanta i think it should be uh disallowed uh for falcons gms to draft any edge guys anytime like the jets it's like the jets drafting a quarterback the yes, Falcons like, drafting an edge rusher the jets drafting a quarterback yeah just the john abraham stuff worked i enjoyed that like just just if you just spent, yeah if you just spent the last four years just signing justin houston to one-year deals <laughs> like this is a much better situation just great. keep signing the dude just produces but like i am so over like if they draft miles murphy it, this <laughs> i'm just i'm gonna lose my mind i'm absolutely gonna lose my mind i would rather have Bijan robinson running back at that spot at least i know he's gonna produce and at least i know he's gonna put up that's a hot numbers debate on Twitter right now. <laughs> yeah that's and a hot that's, debate right now that's sam what all though doesn't hate it like about. i talked to pff's fan sam monson about it last week and he was like we don't hate drafting running backs in the first round it's just you don't pay them after that. And like there's a timeline where it's like if you have a bunch of other needs and you go running back first round, that's probably a mistake. But if you're like the Cowboys or something and you go Bijan late in the first, like that that makes sense. Like you're right there as a contender and he's someone who can help put you over the top. It's like a closer I, in baseball. Right. Like it's Basically. you it's defensible depending on where you're at. Um even Najee Harris to Pittsburgh at the time, like it made sense. But Clyde Edwards O'Lear, even though he hasn't done a damn thing. Yeah. That's yeah. another one. Another one. Or you could just get Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh and <laughs> Win the super guy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you can get a Tyler Algier in what was he sixth or fifth? I think fifth, he was yeah. fifth. He was yeah. fifth. Um, I was big on my Tyler Algier. I was all, all aboard the the bowling ball bandwagon. <laughs> he's the Michael Turner. Like he is just Michael stuck. Turner reincarnated. This is what I look at him as. Like when you watch peak Michael Turner comparison. in the Falcons, yeah. it's, it's the same kind of guy, which is great because Michael Turner was awesome, and I uh, he was an undervalued and overlooked falcons dominant player of the last 20 years he's a forgotten guy that meant a lot to this team um falcons round two targets should be who so if you're doing your board miles and you have like let's go with who you take in the first like what position you don't have to say player but what position do you go based on where mocks are going and like who might be available and then where do you go round two because there's so much about round one i'm curious where your eyes would be in round two it's so hard because this team has been so unpredictable with who they, I mean, the first round, I guess they've been more predictable because they've been more of that best player available type. Mm -hmm. um, this year's draft, it seems so heavy, top heavy on like the top four players. And by four players, I mean, Bryce Young, Stroud, Anderson, and Jalen Carter. Those are like the four elite ones to my, in my mind that are like, for me, definitely going top four. Then after that, it's kind of a wild card. Um, I think in the first round, I don't see a scenario. It's so hard to narrow it down, but I, I don't see a scenario where they don't go defense. Hmm. Um, I feel like they're going to go. Because if they go offense, the only way I see they go offense is maybe you take Skrowski out of Northwe uh, Northwestern. And like I, I think that's a little bit of a reach. Um, that wouldn't really fit that best player available type mold that they've been doing. And if not, I mean, I know Falcons fans hate to hear this and there's some some love to hear it but like if you're going an offensive player in the first round then like Bijan robinson like i don't know who else that offensive player would be 
Mm. You know what I mean? Like I don't see a player worthy of a top 10 pick at that spot other than Bijan Robinson if I was taking a skill position player. So in that regards, I would maybe take a a a defensive player, and I hate that it might be an edge or a linebacker, but I don't know who else it would be, right? Like unless you're trading up to get like a – a Jalen Carter or a Will Anderson, which seems highly unlikely. I don't see a scenario where that doesn't happen. I mean, maybe you go after like Joey Porter Jr., the the cornerback. I mean, you, that could maybe make sense. Um, but as far as second round is concerned, I think that's where, you know, more of the depth of the draft kind of comes into play. Like I'd love a guy like maybe Broderick Jones out of Georgia. I know they mm. are meh out of Georgia guys. And maybe some hometown uh, love there with him and another guy I like a lot, Jameer Gibbs. I think Jameer Gibbs would be great in this offense. Um, I think he's Alvin Kamara 2.0, watching him at Georgia Tech for many years and, of course, at Alabama. Um, I'd love to see – I think him and Algier complement each other so well. I think Mm -hmm. Algier is that, you know, pound for pound back that can be that one through second down back and – and uh, Jameer Gibbs can be that guy out of the backfield who can catch passes, can do a little bit of everything, um, you know, a la Alvin Kamara. Um, and I think those two could complement each other because, you know, Cordell Patterson isn't getting any younger. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if you can go a lot of different places. I think you definitely go defense in the first round and then maybe, you know, sure up some things in the second round with whoever. I mean, again, it's it, the Falcons are still in a position where they are – have so many needs and you're not really going to know where they're going to go until after free agency starts. So this could be an entirely different conversation after March 13th or 14th or whatever that date is that free agency period starts, because as you said, and as all Falcons fans know, they have so much money to spend. So by the time the draft starts, this could be an entirely different team. Yeah. I'm, you could also sell me on Quentin Johnson at eight. Uh, the Julio I'm not, sold. Right I'm not no. sold on him. Quentin Johnson, I, I, mean, I, I wouldn't hit it. He's no, big. No, he seems like somebody Arthur Smith would want. I mean, they need wide receiver depth. Like that's something where they, they need do. to spend money. Cool. If you are not going to draft a wide receiver high, like you have to get some other big ticket receiver. Like there's just there were some severe limitations last year in the depth department. Um, outside of uh, Drake London, who maybe had the best rookie wide receiver season this past year, but it can't just be Drake London. No, you're right. You're right. No, but Josh Downs is like a guy who you can jump Zay Flowers in the second round. If those guys drop in there, Zay Flowers is sneaking his way in the first round conversation. Oh, Zay Flowers is going to be gone. Yeah. The BC product. He's 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 a little. He's he's very popular. <laughs> when, when we, when we covered drafts. him out, when we covered him out in the Shrine Bowl, he was arguably the most popular player out there. As far really? as scouts were concerned, and I mean the Falcons coached it, so they obviously liked him. But yeah. I mean he he was a very popular guy. I'll say that. But Josh Downs is somebody who's very interesting to me. He's a slot guy. Um, I mean, what almost three thousand yards for North Carolina. I mean he's he's a little on the smaller side, five ten ish. I think in like the, the buck eighty or something. But we have our big guys, you know, like this team has some size and Josh Downs is a clear and obvious upgrade over OZ. I, I love Alameda Zacchaeus. I do, but he's not a number two. He's not a number two. If you're, if you're going to go defense in the first round, which I think that this team so desperately needs defense, but miles, like you said, like things change with free agency. Mm-hmm. So if they, I, I want them to go defense in the first round and then go get a skill player in the second round. I, I think Jameer Gibbs might be, gone by the time they come around in the third yeah. round yeah I, I just don't see how that's going to be possible to get jameer gibbs it just doesn't really make sense uh timing wise just based off of how boards map out but if you if he's your guy go get him but 
I, I don't know. I think you can go offense later on in this draft, but this team just so desperately needs defensive depth and skill players and just a beast. Um, I'm not opposed to trading up and going in, going and getting a Jalen Carter or, uh, or a Will Anderson, especially if they don't go in those first two picks. If you hmm. go quarterback, if like a CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or Will Levis or um, I don't think they uh, go first two. I think one two is two quarterbacks. We always well, use Anthony in the draft Richardson has are, been playing up boards yeah. and he's been yeah. getting big. I know you're really someone's right. going to trade I, up look, for the I second agree. one. He's yeah. not a guy who I want to draft. Yeah, but mm-hmm. the thing is, and then you also run into these situations where the Chicago Bears could be interested in trading Justin Fields. Yeah, like we're we're we are so early in this process. Everything is going to be completely different. And if you go quarterback, quarterback one and two, I'm I'm picking up the phone and I'm calling to see what it costs to go get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter because that price tag drops astronomically, and I can go get a dude for much less. And that's what this Falcons defense needs so much. And that's really the only scenario that I see that happening. If they have to trade up to one or two, it's just too much. And I, I don't think Terry Font, he hasn't shown a willingness to do something like that in the past. He's kind of stood pat, but we've also only seen two cycles. So say, didn't he trade up for did the Saints traded up for Davenport, didn't they? I missed. Yeah, he wasn't. That? I mean, but that's, that's that was that was uh, what's the him in Ireland Mickey. and Mickey Loomis. Yeah. Yeah, so Mickey's a little bit more aggressive. That, that's re- the thing you're saying about that chase, though. Mm-hmm. It's funny, or Gary, excuse me, is that you know this draft? You know, we talk about the Falcons' needs and in what they truly need, and you just said it. Like the ideal player for this Falcons team right now is Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and it's and that's it. Like those are 100%. the two guys that if any team needs those two guys, it's the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Like the other, the, the teams drafting in the top five for those guys are just drafting out of best player available if they're taking those two guys. But the, these are the two guys the Falcons have been trying to get for two decades now. And I mean, these are, you're, you're right. I would have no issue if Terry Fontenot, especially like you said, if, if the quarterbacks go one and two to potentially move up to take guys like that, because those guys are game changers. You pair a guy like Jalen Carter with Grady Jarrett. That's fantastic. They've been looking for that for Ooh. years. Yeah, plus then you'd have TQ in the rotation. I think oh, I yeah. like TQ mm-hmm. as well. Take one Graham. He kind of re- he really took some steps this year. He did uh, yeah. before his injury, but him coming off in like a rotational role between those two, perfect fit. I'm yeah. I'm all in. I'm all yeah. in. Yeah. Then that's a scheme where you can you can literally line those three up on a defensive line. Um, if you're running a three four front, that's absolutely automatically one of the best defensive lines, at least in the NFC South. I agree. I it. like it. Uh, quickly, as we wrap up here uh, tonight, Braves uh, <clears throat> spring training is here. Like this is uh, baseball is right around the corner. Like Tennessee baseball gets back to kicking the crap out of everyone in college <laughs> baseball tonight, starting with Arizona out west. It's going to be an absolute delight. Well, he's delusional, man. Don't listen to him. So, preseason <laughs> number two. What what more do you want to see? The villains of college baseball, Chase Dillander, <laughs> who's going number one in the MLB draft this summer, is pitching tonight. You want to watch oh, a gym? Man. You know what? Two things that always happen. That happens. Uh, I totally agree. <laughs> Chase and in Knoxville. Chase Dolander t- tonight. We got Chase Burns tomorrow night. And then we got the Chase Thomas podcast here in Knoxville. Everything coming up roses when it's Chase in Knoxville. Thank you. So everything's great. And you should all tune in because Tennessee is about to wreck college baseball once again because no one does it better. No one does it better. And it's a great, uh, great. Just, watch. You, just you wait until they match up against the Elon Phoenix in the, the tournament. <laughs> is that what their mascot is? The I'm Phoenix? Ter- yes. Oh. yes. They, used, they, they, used, they used to be the fighting Christians, but you know, we, <laughs> okay. we, we leveled up. <laughs> the fu- was it really the fighting Christians? 
Yeah, they, they became a university. It was Elon College, and it became university. And they're like, yeah, we should probably change that. So it was literally the Notre Dame logo, just maroon and gold. Of like the Elon, leprechaun. In, that's in North yeah. Carolina, right? Yeah. Surprised okay. you knew that. I wasn't sure. Thank you. We're in North Carolina. <laughs> I think I got uh, some I got some recruitment mail. They wanted me to run track oh, up there. So nice. Yeah, <laughs> there you like go. yeah, they're by Greensboro. So okay. got it. There you go. I like it. Um Michael Harris. What are you excited about? What would you like to see him build off of his electric double A to major league jump that was just preposterous where he just skips triple A and just is an immediate star? Um, what's stat maybe in particular that you would like to see him uh, get better at, like to see that go up in 2023? What are you looking for from Michael Harris? Garrett, sorry. I, I did that one was actually on me. That yeah, one was actually on me. Because like, sometimes <laughs> I'm like, I try to like leave the question in the beginning with Garrett or Miles in the name and then I go into it, but I, I, I apologize. I messed up there. No, I, I don't really know how you can look at Michael Harris last year and say, I need him to improve there. Mm. because nobody had those expectations for him last year. He bat nearly 300, 19 home runs, 20 stolen bases. He had an OPS, like a solid, it was near nearly 900, right? Uh, and he only did it in like 115 or so games. I mean, he's a gold glove center fielder. I, I don't know what else you want to see from him. The only thing I really want to see is, is just no sophomore slump, you know? And like, that's just, a mental thing. I mean, he he's reported to spring training. He's already down there in Florida. He's put on 10 pounds of muscle. He's still growing and there is still room to improve just because he's 22 years old. And this kid is so talented. He he's probably one of the only people who can who can sit there and make Andrew Jones look like a like just a normal center fielder, you know? And that's really saying so. he's the best player, best center fielder that we've had since that guy. You know, and he's he should be in Cooperstown. You know? I mean, we're I, I, you run out of adjectives to describe Michael Harris. He's young. He's exciting. He's a great leader in the clubhouse, for, especially for 22. He's somebody who just gets you people excited to go to Braves games, you know? Um, I can't say enough good things about the kid. And if there's anything, it's just be more consistent, you know? Like, you see the second half of the season, he kind of slumped a little bit, but that's to be expected. You're a rookie, and you're 21 years old at the time. Or I guess he just turned 22. And, I mean – just avoid the sophomore slump. That's really all you can do. And the only way you can do that is just play, ba play baseball and don't let the game get ahead of you. He's seems already mentally further ahead than I was. When I was 22. He's probably further ahead than I was like, he's probably further ahead than I am right now, honestly, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm being honest, but he was um, ready to be a pro. Like that guy was just, just ready. There was no he's, acclimation he's project for him. Like he was just ready. Yeah. He was ready to go. And he jumped mm -hmm. in and, and just jumped right into the deep end of the pool. And it I mean, makes it look easy. Cause like, there's so many other stories of like the, the Walters or the Christian Pache's who you just you're super high on in the mm. farm system, but it's a totally different ballgame once you get to the pros. And usually there is a learning curve. But for Michael Harris to be a basic borderline yeah. all star uh, right out of the gate is just it's wild. And Miles, when I look at it, too, I think because you have so many questions in left field because Acuna's injury stuff over the last couple of years, it's kind of wild. But I'm like, it's a lot to put on Michael Harris to be like, oh, you're going to be our most consistent, most needed everyday guy. Like we need you in the lineup every day, especially with Dan's be gone. Because I mean, I'm assuming Michael Harris is going to bat second most times, right? Like, are, are we looking at Michael Harris in the two hole right out of the gate, which is insane to put on this kid. But like, I think there is actually a sneaky high amount of just stuff riding on Michael Harris in 2023 because I think he's going to have to be even better and be a legitimate all-star candidate to keep this thing afloat because 
the Mets and the Phillies are going to be really good too. And he just has to, he has to be a great player once again. And like Garrett said, avoid the slump. Yeah. I think in a, in an ideal world, the, the Braves want him in that two hole, but I also think that he, it, it could become, you know, sort of like a Dansby situation where they keep trying to put him in that two hole and it, he's mm-hmm. just so much better at the bottom of the lineup where it kind of leads into Acuna instead of coming after Acuna. Mm. Um, and I could see him just sort of making that bottom half of the lineup still so dangerous like it was last season, which is where they won so many games on that that home stretch at the end. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Garrett really touched on on everything I wanted, I wanted to mention. That, that I was going to just talk about his consistency because he he did have that little bit of a slump. But like you said, that, that comes with every single player once – once teams start to figure you out a little bit, because that happens. I mean, everyone's a lot of players start hot, and then like same thing happened to Austin Riley. Austin Riley came in red hot. I remember he hit home runs almost every single game. Then he went through that slump. Braves fans thought, you know, maybe he isn't the guy. Then he became Austin Riley. So um, I'm not worried about Michael Harris. I, I think he's going to come in. I think him adding the weight was huge because I'd like to see him maybe with a little more power, uh, especially if he's going to be up higher in the lineup. Um, I'd like to see that power come out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, like you said, he made Braves fans forget about Christian Pache a lot because I remember <laughs> I, I personally was upset when Christian Pache left because I thought he was the guy, like I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be him, Waters and Acuna. That was the outfield. Um, and Harris is always like that. Yeah, you know, he'll come up and, you know, he'll be, maybe he'll come in there and maybe fit in somewhere. But I didn't think he was going to be the guy out of those three to maybe to, to burst out like he did. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, you, you want consistency all over the place. Um, sophomore slump has been an issue in the past with some, some past Braves rookie phenoms. Uh, first, the guys that come to mind, Jason Hayward, Dansby Swanson, all those guys all started off really red hot. And then their second year kind of meh. Um, Austin Riley, another guy, like I said, he kind of all kind of had those years. So I think I caution a lot of Braves fans to not expect superstardom out of the second year. I know it might be necessary given how the the rest of the NL East looks right now. Uh, he may have to be that guy, but I, I've seen so many times just Braves fans almost try to jump the ship too early on a guy because they start f- slumping a little bit. Um, you know, because it's their second year. You know, like you said, he's 22 years old. He's still a kid. He's still growing. He put on that. M- much amount of muscle in one off season. So who knows what he's going to bring to the table? Um, you know, same thing goes for Spencer Strider, another rookie, uh, or former rookie now at this point, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, all across the board, you touched on basically everything Garrett is as far as what I want to see from him. I just, that consistency really like that. He's there in spring training a lot early, but the whole team basically got to spring training yeah. early, um, which was really encouraging to see. Um, but yeah, no, I think a lot of optimism around this Braves team. Um, really excited to see Sean Murphy in this lineup. Uh, sucks to say bye to, to Wild Bill, but I'm uh, really excited to see what Sean Murphy can bring. Yeah, and Sean Murphy's a guy who do you? I don't see him really in that two spot. I kind of see him in that five no. spot. Yes, um, I agree. but yeah. look, one thing I do want to say, I, I don't want to put all this pressure on Michael Harris right now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> just specifically because you're gonna have Ozzy Albies coming back. Everyone, I feel like most people forgot about Ozzy Albies because I mean he, he misses a lot of time last year. Um, he's a guy who can come in and just jump into that two spot. Mm-hmm. I think he's perfectly fine. I mean, like, I think they'll probably... go to Olsen first. Olsen, if, if Olsen I, I like in the three or the four. Uh, I like they him did in the three that with and Freeman then Austin too, right? Didn't Freeman bat a bunch in the two hole behind Acuna? In 2020, he did. A little bit, yeah. yeah. And then he in 2021, he did a little bit yeah. uh, at times. But no, it's like we, we're in a situation where it's like we have so many options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michael Harris doesn't have to be the option. 
he is a positive yeah, option, a one yeah. who I think could come in and be a very good two-hole hitter. And I, I think if he is hitting at a high level in the two spot, I think the Braves are scoring a lot of runs, mm-hmm. um, especially at the top half of that lineup. But I don't think he has to be that guy. Ozzy Albies is, is probably the dude who I expect to take the, the brunt of the two-hole uh, load, I should say. And, and also, we're, we're looking at a situation where we're looking at replacing the, the wins that, that are vacated from Dansby Swanson. Ozzy Albies coming back is going to be a big boon for this team. And then you look at a healthy Ronald Acuna. All, everything that That's I huge. see from Ronald Acuna, we're talking about like a young Michael Harris. MVP. Ronald Acuna yeah. hasn't even hit that. And he's coming back from an injury. He was not the same guy last year. No. And from before, reports, before that injury, he was the MVP. Oh, he was the best player in baseball. He was. Yeah. he was the best player in baseball in 2021 until that injury. I mean, he single-handedly carried that Braves team to a 500 record. I mean, it was incredible what he was doing. And people soon forget how good players are if they're just not right there in front of your face 162 games out of the season. And Ronald Acuna even getting back, scratching that sur- the surface of what he was in 2021 – this Braves team is going to be better than they were in 2022 when they won 101 games, and that's even in spite. It's in spite of losing Dansby Swanson. Now, that is contingent on Ozzy Albies coming in and being Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna returning to being Ronald Acuna, and Von Grisham slash Orlando Arcia not just being a complete hole at shortstop and a hole in the lineup. Outside of that, I think the Braves are a better baseball team than they were last year. Yeah. I think so too. And then this is how we can end because this, I think will play a big role in what I I'm very curious to see how long Alex Anthopoulos keeps this thing going. But like my question to you, Garrett is factor fiction. Ozuna gets the most DH starts for the Braves this year. If you had to guess right now, do you think he gets the most? Because I think that will tell us a lot about how this season's going. If that's the case. I don't, I don't agree with that necessarily. I, mm-hmm. I think he, if we had Alex Anthopoulos on the station earlier this week, and so we had a obviously Marcelo Zuna comes up because Marcelo Zuna is a hot tub, hot button issue mm. um, for more reasons than his baseball acumen. But look, if he is hitting, if he hits, has the most at bats in the DH spot, it's because he's hitting the baseball well. Mm-hmm. It's not because there was, there's no lack of options. Look, you can come in and, and if he's playing left field, then we have issues. Yes. Then we have serious issues on this team. If he's in the designated hitter spot, I'm less concerned. Um, but we also, I mean, Travis Darno is going to be coming in. He could fill that void every now and then. Um, you bring in like an Orlando Arcia or something like that. I mean, like there, there are options. Um, I don't think he said specifically. His answer was that the best designated, the best player will play, and that's hmm. just where we are. He says it's irrespective of his money, but I don't all the way by that. He would, he wouldn't be on this roster if he wasn't making what he's making. Yeah. Um, but. Look, I, if, if he – to answer your question, I'm going to say fiction just because I don't believe all that much in, in Marcelo Zuna. Could he come back and have a resurgent year? Of course he could. He's a very talented baseball player, especially with the bat in his hands. Do I expect it? I haven't seen any reason to believe that I will. Yeah. Miles, what can the good folks check out from you over at Fox 5? Um, what, uh, what do you want to plug here as we wrap up here today? Yeah, I mostly do all my work stuff on my Twitter at Miles Garrett TV. Um, I'll be in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine, so I'll be oh. uh, up there with a lot of Falcon stuff. If you guys want to, or anyone who's watching this wants to to see my work there, um, I'll be anchoring a lot for Fox Five. So if you guys want to see me talk sports, I'll be doing that a lot on Fox Five. So 
yeah, that's about all I got. There you go. Can you do the Ken Rodriguez five? Can you do that? Oh, in your face? Yeah. yeah. Can you do the in your face five? <laughs> in your face? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. If I was at the office, you'd be able to see it. That hand is all over the it's office. So, so cool. Is it really? <laughs> oh yeah, it's all over. That we have a giant hand that I carry everywhere. So <laughs> we got to spray paint it, make sure it's it's still painted correctly. So you just say the coolest thing in the world when I was in high school was the the fox five people get the, the whole thing oh that was yeah still one no. of my, my favorite things one of Ken my single-handedly ever. did that so it, it was, was awesome we were trying to continue that legacy in retirement <laughs> that was just yeah it just it's stuck it's so funny what sticks and what doesn't because he just it's, it's simple it was yeah. it's a thing it's like 20 plus years like i'm yeah it's it's a huge thing so shout out to ken uh, a local legend in fox Five. then go watch fox five it's a great one i was on fox five when i was about four years old five, no, no way. I, I, I gotta, I gotta pull go it up <laughs> yeah i read i have my vhs let me find it i'll send my parents Uh-oh. yeah it was it was either fox Five. Or i shouldn't say that it might have been abc it might have been wsb Uh-oh. i apologize and i'll blow i'll bleep like out the, uh, <laughs> the name there. it was one of the two but I, re- I basically rode- a hard edit like right there. Yeah. <laughs> I rode my bike through <laughs> my neighbor's garage door, um, racing a friend uh, when I was in first grade and uh, got rushed to the hospital and all that. So I went through like my head went through the glass and I like I, I tore down the whole garage door. So like I was racing this downhill. So I went down, didn't That's break. Awesome. I tore down like it was a full on just incredible. collision. Pow. And I just I just remember waking up like my head's like dangling through um the glass like i'm just i went through like my head went through and my body like knocked the whole garage door down and got rushed to east side and there was like a whole thing where i uh got in the news because my we went to the wrong the hospital apparently oh, okay. because it was like <laughs> east side there was like some weird name thing so it looks like it was on our insurance but it was like it slightly yeah. di- i don't remember the exact context but it was a weird name insurance thing and it was confusing so we had to wait a long time and i was like waiting in the emergency room for like two hours like i'm bleeding all over the place yeah it was was a whole thing but my mom's in there and then there's awesome b-roll of me back on the bike like showing me getting back on my (laughs) mom's around anything yeah like i can come yeah i was fine like but there's it's just the most awkward b-roll of me riding my bike around the cul-de-sac like chase is back on his bike just like nothing happened he's back so yeah there you go that's the only time i ever been on the news gotta gotta look it up like get in today I think I was like 1990. I'll, see, I'll ask my mom to see. The thing is, you just never knew. Your face was meant for this TV screen, man. Yeah, see? Just meant I for I was it. a lot cuter, though, when I was in first grade. First grade, <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I'm 31. I, the hair's gone. It's just not It's not me anymore. Like, it's a, <laughs> I'm not that guy. Not a TV face. Um, Garrett, what can the good folks check out from you? And uh, that's um, what you want to put here. We got a show Sunday this week? night. Talking a, little, uh, talking a little college football. I mean, we got a little mm-hmm. bit of everything. We talk, we got to talk some Hawks just because, I mean, we got a lot of, mm. a lot of unfortunate storylines that we got to address, you know, just with everything going on with um, the, our, our friends over there at State Farm Arena. But um, we, we, did, we also talked to Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. Always fun go. to talk Friend to him. We talked a little uh, Mike Bobo, uh, Kevin Steele, everybody else, Tommy Reese. Lots of, lots of action in the Tommy SEC Reese. college football. So um, it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun. I'll show there you tonight. And you're covering my guy, Buster Faulkner, Part B legend. Uh, so OC for the George Tech Yellow Jackets. Of course, um, man. Yeah. yeah, always. Partview.com. I don't know. I don't know what Partview Football's website is or anything like that. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. But go <laughs> go Partview. Partview all the time. Miles, Garrett, thank you as always. And Garrett, I'll talk to you next week. Miles, we'll have to get you back on again soon. Uh, safe travels, my friend, and keep up the good work. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. 
To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.